scary girl. Hello, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. I think we're finally the, getting the hang of it. The thing, yeah, the thing about recording I was like, that was the smoothest. Is, it sounds like there's a lag, like when we're listening to it together, it sounds like we're not doing it at the same time. But when I listened to even just the Zoom call, because that was not edited in a way where I had different audio things, we were still synced up on it. And we I was were like, pretty good. We were good. Yeah. It was exciting. Look at so, us. Yes, we are still recording remotely, of course, because yes. it's Corona times. We are still in Corona time. But, um, yeah, like, we're lucky to have not started a podcast in Corona. Like, we're already here. We're already established. Yeah, we're not just starting this because we're bored. We started this almost two years ago because we were bored. I was going to say, when we were bored two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So get on it. (laughs) Which, that's our next milestone. We just did 100 episodes. Our two-year anniversary is coming up. I know. It's all downhill May. from here. It's been downhill. <laughs> it was downhill. We started from the bottom and Go we somehow one star content. Going we for started at the num- bottom and now we're back where we started. No, now we're further than the bottom. We're down with the lizard people. Uh, we're rock bottom, which is below the bottom, I guess. Let's see if we can get further down from here. Bom, 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 bom. <laughs> do you ever ask yourself, like, when? Do, how do people know when they hit rock bottom? <laughs> Sometimes I feel then, like this is it. This is my rock bottom. And then I'm like, it right, could be then worse. I, then I go, if you have to ask yourself that, does that mean you've hit rock bottom? I don't know. I feel like you don't know. You, it's like the good times. Like, you don't know you're in rock bottom until you're out of rock bottom. Like, you don't know these are the good times until they're behind you. See, I feel like you have to be aware of rock bottom when you hit it because that's how people are like, I hit rock bottom. So, but they don't know <laughs> till later. Like, they don't know till after. Like, that's when I realized, like, I got to do something else. I hit rock bottom <laughs> I and I was like, like this anymore. ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I hit rock bottom and I was like, oh, like, this wasn't that far down. <laughs> I hit rock bottom and I was like, I've already been here. <laughs> I got the t-shirt. Uh, I've I already been to heaven after five minutes. Five I was minutes, like, I was like, let's go. go. That's what I was just about to. <laughs> I already hit rock bottom. I was there for five minutes and I was like, so let's, I was like let's go. go. <laughs> that's like, oh, that's one of my favorites. I love saying that. It's so oh, good. Me too. And I love showing new people that where I'm just like, you don't know it. Oh, you got to uh, watch Let this. me borrow that, top, borrow that top by Kelly. Uh, aren't we Maker friends? Maker of shoes. Aren't we friends? Aren't we friends? So what's the problem? What's the problem? We're right on the top. <laughs> that was me and Stephanie. Aren't we friends? What's the problem? I, so there was a whole shoes album. Did you know that? Yes. And didn't because you have I bought it? it. <laughs> I have it. I still have it. I still have the whole shoes album. And I would argue it is solid. It's <laughs> like, still a banger. <laughs> It's it still slaps like I, I maybe haven't listened to it in a while, but um it's still really good. But yeah, it's got shoes. Let me borrow that top. Um, text message breakup. Text message breakup. Um, there was one called uh, "What are you guys talking about?" And there was the Canadian edit, which was "What are you guys talking about?" Stop. <laughs> I was just thinking when you were like. That album still slaps. That's going to be people talking about us when we hit our rock bottom with Dead Time Stories. And they're like, but there that shit go. still slaps. 
That's what they're saying now, Sarah. Right now. <laughs> they hit 100 it. episodes, they and we thought it couldn't episodes, get worse. Rock bottom, and they still slapped. And it went downhill from there. We didn't know how they were going to do it. They somehow did it. Well, we got episode 101. We're in the triple digits. Yeah. Does this we count as season two? Oh my god, 100 <laughs> episodes a season? Yeah! <laughs> Ear, bear, 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 bear. Go big! <laughs> There you go. I don't know. I don't know. Well, welcome to 101. 101 Dead Time Stories. Dead Time Stories. If you're new to the podcast, Sarah would tell you to start from the beginning. Start at the fucking beginning. And you know what? You have so much time. So You do, but no excuses. It's a weekly podcast where me and Sarah get together and we talk about ghost stories, we talk about true crime, we talk about the supernatural, aliens, just weird, mystical, just whatever is spooky and strange and we feel like talking about, usually over wine, because it's our show. And not yours. Ear. 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 I wish I had wine, but I don't want to go down and get any. I know. I was in my room and I was like, you know what? I was like, it's a little early, and then I remembered, pff, airport rules. What time was that? When I went and got the wine. Probably yeah. when you texted me, so like 3.50. Oh, that's not early. I mean, it's early. early. like before noon. It's early if I'm trying to keep up with some sort of semblance of a routine, which is that I'm yeah. working until 5. And then I try to not start drinking until five. But then if I do start drinking earlier, I just tell myself right now it's airport rules. And with airport rules, you can have a drink at nine o'clock in the morning and no one's going to judge you. There you go. And you can wear sweats. No one's going to judge you. So, oh my God, you can drink at, at literally any time. Any time of the day. And, and no one will look at you like it's weird. Yeah. They're going to look at you weird if you don't order a drink because you're in a fucking airport. Yeah, I've had a beer at 9 a.m. at an airport. Oh, hell yeah. If you feel guilty about it, just order, like, a mimosa or a Bloody Mary, because that or seems Or some fries more... to go with it, like some food. Or a um, tequila sunrise. But, but drink it, girl. Or a... Burp, burp, burp. So, uh, yeah. airport rules. We drink them. We drink in. We drink in. We drink now. in. We drink All in. right, Sarah. Stephanie. Leslie Jordan. Leslie Jordan, y'all ready to talk about about some ghosts? (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) Hey everybody, it's Leslie Jordan. Do not miss. I was also thinking, how am I going to cut this in here? (laughs) Let's take it back, take it back. (laughs) So again, if you're new to the podcast, start from the beginning. And then you'll get this. Was our 100th episode, and we always say... Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts like Leslie Jordan? That's like our catchphrase. Yes. But I, uh, as a 100th episode present, got Sarah a cameo of Leslie Jordan saying, Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? And you can see that cameo on all of our social media and our website, deadtimestories.com. Deadtimestories.com. <laughs> That's new too with our 100th it episode. Is. Sarah worked really hard. I still have to change my bio, which I have repeatedly told her I would do. You do, which and is why it's, it's not live yet. It's myButt.com. Well, it's up it, yourbutt.com. But. It's about to be everyone's knowledge that your website is upyourbutt.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she put as like my bio information. You would get a lot what? of traffic, just not the traffic that I think you're looking looking for did i ever tell you about um i know i've told val this so me and david used to do this thing on yes AIM, right yes <laughs> you're yes. Yes. I'm gonna say. yes 
Yes, you told me, because this was back when we were still doing the Fetish 5 that you told me about this. Oh, right, because that's when I told you about Rosebuds. You'll have to, if you're a new listener, you'll have to go back. Yeah, because that segment is dead. It's been fisted to death. Because I feel like I've talked about all the fetishes that I could find. There, you know, there aren't as many as you would think. I mean, everything is a thing, but not everything has a name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes it's just like there are people who are into this and there's not a name for that yet. Yeah. If you can think of it, it's a thing. That's the rule about porn. And what I learned from Tumblr is that that is 100% true. (laughs) Like before Tumblr died uh december of 2018 r.i.p that's where i learned i always heard if you can think of it the porn for it exists and i didn't think that was true i thought people just said that but it is a fact (laughs) it is very real if you can think of it porn for it exists it's absolutely true i promise oh yeah i mean you don't you ain't got to tell me twice (laughs) So there's no reason for anybody to feel like a dirty freak that nobody would be into what they're into. Because guess what? At least somebody else is into it and they made porn for it. Unless pedophilia or necrophilia. Those two, we're going to yuck those. Those, right. That's not okay. Those aren't fetishes, right? Those are sexual disorders and that's not the same thing. And that is not okay. We here at Dead Time Stories do not condone that. Nope, we sure don't. We condone a lot of things, but not that. Right. Anything that is between two consenting adults, or more, or more, but adults who are... Totally, Consenting. 100% into it. I support. I stand um, that. This feels like old school Dead Time Stories content. Doesn't I feel it? like we've well, gotten away from We're bringing this. it back around. We're bringing it back around. I was like, Episode these are old school topics. I know. Yeah, we got to talk about fetishy sex more. Hey, oh. when coronavirus is over and uh, everybody's fucking, um, there's going to be more to talk about. I mean, There we go. I, I was going to say, I think it went, down, it went downhill and started to you know, decline our sex talk when we both got in relationships and we weren't as thirsty anymore. <laughs> right, I was gonna say, we both well, get like, it now, on the reg, so we're not like... Right, we both get it on the reg, and we both, like, are... I mean, you don't technically live with Charlie, but, like, you stay with Charlie a lot, and yeah. we all live together. Like, you haven't not been with Charlie because of the quarantine. Yeah. It's not officially a quarantine, but you get what I'm saying. But yeah, so I'm just like, with other people, because we're already not, not fucking. Yeah, not. uh, Just in case you guys are wondering. people are fucking again. We have sex. We were talking about how easy it's going to be to um, make porn with people, because people are are all going to be so horny and wanting to fuck, that they'll be like, yeah, bring a camera, I don't care. I don't fucking care. (laughs) Right. I I was like, we we wouldn't have any problem finding people to film to make porn. To make Let's porn. do that. That's our next <laughs> endeavor. Uh, that's, yes, that's a serious endeavor for me. Podcast, I, I be... edibles, and porn. Call it the pep. She right? got that pep. <laughs> there you go. Mm, I got the pep in my step. That's how <laughs> I'm so excited, because I got that pep in my step. I got that pep. <laughs> so, speaking of the pep. <laughs> Let's get back on track. <laughs> I'm going to start my story uh, and I'm going to bring the mood way down. So oh, God. Tone it down a little bit. Not way down. Just I would like to give a content warning. Um, All right. Well, because- here's where I'm going to put in Leslie Jordan's. Uh, y'all ready to talk about <laughs> Is that goes. the content warning? There's a Leslie Jordan cameo. No. 
<laughs> no, because we messed up the uh, slogan earlier, so now I'm just going to put it in here. Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? I love it. All right, give us your content warning. Trigger warning. Thanks, Leslie. So oh, now I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? It's giving you space with that cameo. Man. I'm just over here talking. Derp, 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 derp. <laughs> so, content This is still my first glass of wine, I promise. Because I'm talking about um I'm talking about a plantation. So with a plantation means there's gonna be some slavery. And with the slaves, there's also um, some rape in the story that I'm going to talk about. So I want to bring this out first and foremost and put that out there. And then I'm going to get into what I'm talking about. So I am talking about Myrtle's Plantation. Are you familiar? This seems like something that you'd be like, I have that in my notes as a possible thing to talk about. Did we not talk about it yet? No. All right. Okay. I'm just like, I feel like we've talked about it, but maybe not. Everything's all backwards for me since I've been working on the website, too, because I've been going way back into Dead Time Stories archives. All right. Well, no, let's dive into it. What happened at Myrtle's plantation? Did Myrtle own it? Myrtle Beach? What are we going with? It's not in Myrtle Beach, and there was a little segment that I was watching about it because I told you I learned uh, it was suggested to me on Facebook because it's a little haunted B&B. Aww. Um, So it's a bed and breakfast now. It's a little H-B&B. It was a, uh, an HB&P. It was a plantation at one point in time, and the segment that I was watching where they were talking about it they kept comparing it to, they kept saying something about Gone with the Wind and making a big deal about the location, but I was like, Gone with the Wind is in Georgia and this is in Louisiana. Like, it really bothered me. You're like, they it's were not like, just same. like Gone with the Wind. And I'm no, like, it's, it's not, not just like Gone with the Wind. Okay, it's calm not. down. Um, but anyway, so it's in, um, it's in Louisiana, and originally it wasn't called Myrtle's Plantation. It was originally named for the person who built it, I believe, um, or he had named it Laurel Grove. So the land was purchased by uh, General David Bradford during the American Revolutionary War, uh, and he had been, um, like, basically... I don't, he was like on the run and he went to this like Spanish owned territory because it was Spanish owned at the time in Louisiana. And, um, he like built this house there and he was living in exile and that was for a few years until he was officially pardoned. So he didn't have to like be on the run anymore. And then he was like, cool, I'm going to have my family come live with me too. So his family (laughs) went to go live with him in Louisiana. So, um, after he died, he left it to his daughter, uh, and his daughter's name was Sarah. There are a lot of Sarahs in this story, Sarah. Get you. I'm used to it. I'm everywhere. Although the first Sarah was without an H. She's a bitch. Fair warning. Well, you're really going to think that about her in a minute. See? So, <laughs> so he left it to his daughter, Sarah, and Sarah married a man named Clark Woodruff. So he was like the owner of the house because he was the man, but it was her dad's house. Right. And, um, they had slaves on this plantation and Clark had taken one of the slaves, like 
sometimes, depending on where you read it, they sometimes refer to her as like a mistress, but remembering that she was a slave, so she couldn't really like Say be a no. mistress. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she right, exactly. It's not like she really could have given full consent. And it's not she like couldn't... she's over in the side, like, I know he's gonna leave his wife one day. I just know There it. you go. Right, exactly. So to refer to her as a mistress is a little problematic, but like you get my point. Yeah. Uh, and her name was Chloe. So Chloe is like who he was like you know, having on the side, right? Mm-hmm. So Chloe was afraid of being found out by Sarah, um, reasonably, uh, and getting in trouble either yeah. way. Yeah. So she would listen. She started eavesdropping, uh, and she would listen through the keyholes and try and, like, eavesdrop on conversations, like, hear what was going on, what Sarah knew, what was happening. Um, and one day she was caught. So mm. Sarah caught her, like, trying to eavesdrop. Uh, and they decided to punish Chloe by cutting off her ear. Oh, so they Van Gogh'd her? They Van Gogh'd her. Um, so they cut off her ear, and then she would start wearing what, like, would come to kind of be known as, like, her signature look, which was a green turban uh, that she would wrap in order to, like, cover her ear so the people couldn't see it. So, um... She made a plan. I don't know if she was, like, trying. There are all sorts of motives as to what people are thinking Chloe did next. Um, so Chloe decided to make them a cake with reduced oleander leaves. Um, but oleander is poisonous. People don't know if she was... Tr- people don't think she was trying to kill them. They think either she was trying to, like, make them sick and then get away, like, while they were unwell. Or she was trying to, like make them get sick so that she could, like, make them better to, mm-hmm. like, try and, like, win their praises over, try and make make herself look good. Um, but ultimately what happened was death. Uh, so Sarah died and two of the Woodruff children died um, from the poison. But uh, Clark Woodruff still lived and one of the children um, lived into adulthood. But two of the children died, and Sarah died as well. Wow. Took out Um, three of the family. Right. Three out of five ain't bad. Hey. So um, it's then, it goes back and forth as to saying who punished Chloe. Like, I don't know if it was the law or what some people say uh, is that it was other slaves that they were afraid that, like, that the family would think, like, they were all in on it or, like, what. Um, But ultimately, Chloe was um, taken out and hanged. Mm. And then her body was disposed of in the Mississippi River. Oof. Um, And we don't know if it was, like, punishment, like I said, by, like, the people, because the legends vary, right? There are some things that are agreed upon that are, like, Fact, and then some that are like, hmm, some people. Hearsay, yeah. Hearsay, right. Uh, So we don't know if it was like she was, like, you know, punished for trying to escape or if she was punished because, like, they found out that she did it and they hung her, but, like, she was hung. That's what Either way, yeah, she died. Yeah. So that is one of the two main ghosts uh, is Chloe. Chloe, and sometimes people say they hear children, like maybe the Woodruff children. Um, But usually people see Chloe and they see her in the green turban. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how they know it's her. 
because you can't see her ear, right? And she's not like... Right. They see her, like, wandering around, and she's got the turban. Um, Some people say they hear children running around at night laughing. That's creepy. Always. Uh, (laughs) um, Because it's an active B&B, people go there. It has, like, a... I didn't look on Yelp, but on Google, it has, like, a 4.5 star rating. Um, And... People, whether or not they mention that it's supposed to be haunted or that they went because it's haunted, everyone is like, it's so delightful. It's so quaint. The food is really good. The staff is really is really marvelous. Like, it's, it's a great It's so cute. The hostess B&B. in the green turban was so friendly. So We had to yell at her a few times before she could hear us, but she eventually turned around. Um, there is a mirror in the house that some people say you can see Sarah and her two children sometimes in the mirror. Mm. Um, according to custom, mirrors were covered up after death at the time. That's what they would do. Because they say that the soul gets trapped in the mirror if the mirror is uncovered. Right. So people say that, like, that mirror wasn't covered at the time, and that trapped yeah. the spirits of Sarah and her children, who are occasionally seen or leave handprints on the mirror. Ew. Grubby right. little kids. <laughs> um, so the next person who died, whose ghost is, is seen at the house, is a person who lived in the next generation. So it was left, again, to Woodruff's children, um, or to his one surviving child. And she married what is his fucking name um <laughs> uh Woodruff sorry so Woodruff sold the plantation to rough and gray Sterling and Sterling remodeled the house and he's the one that renamed it Myrtle's Plantation because okay. of all the the crepe myrtle trees that grow on the property okay that makes um, sense that's fair so I'll allow it right so it was his child um that he passed on to And her husband was a man named William Winter. And in 1871, an unnamed man shot Winter in the chest as he was exiting the house. He allegedly ran back into the house, stumbled up the stairs before dying in the arms of his wife, whose name was... Sarah. Sarah. with an H, (laughs) because the bad things happened to all the good Sarahs with H's. So she had to hold um, the, as her love of her life died in her arms. Cool, cool, died cool, cool, in her arms cool, cool. Right there in the house. Um, so he is also said to haunt the house. His murder was actually on an episode of um, Unsolved Mysteries. Oh. Um, and they talked about the the hauntings of the plantation, but most, uh, but the the murder of William Winter is one that like that's historical fact. Um, Chloe, their, you know, records are a little less great because she was a slave. she was a slave, yeah. Right. So there isn't really, like, this absolutely without a fact is, you know, this was Chloe, this is when this happened, this is whatever. Um, but William Winter, that's confirmed, uh, and it is still technically an unsolved murder. They don't know who killed him. They just shot him right in the door of his house. Damn. Um... The house was also uh, in a 2005 episode of Ghost Hunters. Ghost Hunters? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where it's so familiar from. Right. So there is um, a statue uh, out in front of the property that's supposed to be a statue of Chloe. And they sell little Chloe statues in the gift shop. Oh, goodness. Ugh, I don't know how I feel about that. I know. Um, 
I don't either. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, she didn't do anything. Uh, right. I mean, she um, murdered that family. But... Right. Uh, there's also, like, maybe a girl who died there in 1868 and was trapped by a local voodoo practitioner. Uh, she supposedly appears in the room where she died. Woof. Um, but yeah, but people see the, the William Winter ghost, like, stumble, like, in, like, he just got Like, he had just shot. got... Wow. Oof. Yeah. That's creepy. So Some people are like, five stars, it's so that he, cute. That he, that they know specifically which stair he died on. Like, some really? people are like, he crawled up and died in her arms on the 17th stair. Um, okay. But, uh, right, like, sure. I don't know how valid that is. Um, but that's the Myrtle's Plantation, which is now a and b and you can Let's stay there. Let's go. And they have great reviews on on Google. People sure. are about it. It <laughs> even tells me, like, which dates are the best dates to go. Um, oh, I love that. What are the best days to go? We need to know for science. For science? Well, obviously weekdays are less expensive. I bet everything is weird right now because of, you know. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Of course. But. It's a three-star hotel with a 4.6-star Google review rating. Ooh, bum, bum, bum. Sounds like a steal. Yeah. I don't know. So that's deal. the Myrtle's Whatever. Plantation. I like it. I like I it. I love the ghosts. Yeah, you like some ghosts? It's been a while. It's been a while. I like some ghosts. some ghosts. You know who like else it. like ghosts? And you know what else has been a while? Promo. Promo. I know. So we're going to bring back, uh, if you've listened in the past, if not, stop and go back to the first episode. Why the fuck have you made it this far? Um, but Sarah's upset with you, though. Like, seriously. Honestly, it, I need you really to go back. Her. I need you to go back. That way you can see the progression of how we started from the bottom and then we ended up somehow lower. Okay. Thank you. There we go. All right. That's how it happens. And now you're all back. And now we're going to give a big shout out uh, to our friends over at Three Spooked Girls, who also love spooky stories and who also are some ladies. So give them a check out. That was weird. Right now. Hey there, I'm Tara. And I'm Jessica. And together we co-host the podcast Three Spooked Girls. If you love the paranormal. Or murder. Join us on Mondays for full-length episodes where we discuss our favorite paranormal stories and true crime cases. And join us again on Thursdays for our mini-sodes called Stabby Snippets where we tell you all about true crimes happening in the news. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, wherever the hell else you listen to your pods at. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by using the handle at Three Spooked Girls. Come and hang out with us and get your spooky on while we scare the hell out of you. Three Spooky Girls. Oh my God, that came back too. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I knew, I knew you wanted me to. I knew you wanted me I to. So I liked I liked it. I liked it. Thanks. I liked it. Well, uh, uh, right. Sarah, what are you talking about this week? There it is. I was waiting for my cue.
Got it. (laughs) We were (laughs) we were talking last night um, to go off on a tangent for a second about cues and lines. Um, And Charlie was trying to reference whose line is it anyway. But instead he said, you know, what is that? um, What's my line anyway? Show. No. And I and don't know like, why. We're breaking up. No, I don't know why, but I love that idea of doing a totally different kind of improv show that's just what's my line anyway? <laughs> Where you're just snarky and you're just like, I don't know, I guess that's a door and I'm walking through it. Ugh, what's my line anyway? <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> Anyways, what I'm talking about this week is an unsolved murder slash mystery a little bit of both uh, i found it on reddit because thank you to quarantine all of my people on reddit are pulling up all of the unsolved mystery unsolved murder paranormal oh, cases yeah, all of the threads i i was one. thinking about it and i was like honestly with all the free time i wouldn't be surprised if we end this quarantine with at least two or three old 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 cases solved so right. This is one that I came across that I found fascinating. And this is the story of the Circleville writer in Circleville, Ohio. Okay. Yep, I'd never writer heard of it. or writer? Writer. Okay. Not like a writer. Like this, I only want blue M&Ms. Like uh, <laughs> someone who authors a note. Well, see, and I was thinking a writer, like, like ghost writer. Like you oh. wrote around a <laughs> motorcycle and he's like, Bleh! And he's like, fuck you. Right, I don't know. I love that. No, not like that. Uh, like an author, like a pen. Writer. Writer. Anyways. T so. as in Thomas. Yes. This and- is me when I'm, when I'm on the phone at work and they're like, what vehicle number is it? And I was like, H as in Harriet. <laughs> a as in Amber. And you're like, okay, we got it. Circleville right. as in circle, not square. Um, as in the shape. As in the shape. <laughs> So, in 1976, residents in Circleville, Ohio, began receiving strange letters detailing personal info about their lives. Some were threatening, some contained explicit content, but all were written in a similar block-style handwriting, and all were postmarked from Columbus without a return address. One resident in particular, however, bore the brunt of the assault, and that was someone by the name of Mary Gillespie. Mary Mary. was a, well, hold on. Mary, (laughs) Mary was a local school bus driver and the letter writer seemed to be stalking her because the letters to Mary detailed personal info saying things like, I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know that you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. The letter writer also accused Mary of having an affair with the local superintendent, Gordon Massey, and the author's main motive seemed to be for Mary to come clean about it. So he sent her a ton of letters saying, I know what you're doing and you're doing Gordon Massey and you need to tell everybody or your life is in danger. So of course your she's life is in danger, girl. Your life is in danger. Of Mary, you in danger, girl. Girl, right. And so obviously she's terrified. So she just keeps these notes to herself and hides it from her family and from her husband, Ron, until one day Ron gets a letter and Ron gets a letter saying the same thing. Your wife is having an affair. You need to make it public. If not, your life is in danger. 
And Mary adamantly denied the affair. It's not happening. It's not happening. So her and Ron tried to just ignore all of the letters up until one point where Ron received a letter saying, Gillespie, you have had two weeks and done nothing. Admit the truth and inform the school board. If not, I will broadcast it on CB radios, posters, signs, and billboards until the truth comes out. At this point, the couple is a little more scared, and they have only included three people in the knowledge of the letters they've been receiving. So they told Ron's sister, Karen, her husband at the time, Paul, and then Paul's sister. So they told these three people about the letters they were receiving. The three of them got together, or I guess the five of them got together. They narrowed down who they thought was sending the letters, and they decided to send letters of their own saying, we know who you are, leave us alone. And that seemed to work for a few weeks. August 19th of 1977, Mary was away on a girl's trip in Florida. Ron was home with the kids. Ron receives a phone call at home. It's the alleged letter writer. And he tells Ron something Ron does not like. And in a fit of rage, Ron grabbed his pistol and went out to his truck. He told his kids that he was going to go and confront the writer. Ron was found later that evening dead inside of his pickup truck, which had smashed into a tree. It was discovered afterward that Ron's gun had been fired one time before his death. However, none of the neighbors or people around heard any gunshots. And no bullet was ever recovered. It was also discovered that at the time, Ron had a blood alcohol content level of 0.16, which is 1.5 times the legal limit. And that's, yeah, that's, that's weird. High. That's weird because Ron's kids said he didn't look drunk he didn't. and he was not known to be a heavy drinker. There were a lot of other weird um, pieces of evidence found around the car. However, at the end of the day, the sheriff ruled Ron's death an accident. Our letter writer, however, did not like this information at all. And they began sending letters all throughout the town telling people that the sheriff was a part of a big cover up and that it was all a conspiracy and that it wasn't true and the truth needed to come out. Not too long after that, Gordon Massey, our superintendent, got divorced and him and Mary started up a relationship. Oh, she says up and down that the romance did not start until after Ron's death. Things seemed to quiet down until 1983 when Mary began receiving threatening letters again. And not only that, but she started to notice signs put up around her bus route threatening her as well. On February 7th, Mary was driving along her bus route and she saw a sign that was straight up threatening her daughter. So she pulled over and she went to go pull the sign out of the ground. And when she did, she found that the sign was tied to a small cardboard box. And within the box, there was a 25 caliber pistol that had been hooked up to a mediocre amateur booby device that did not go off. But if it had gone off, it was set to shoot and kill her. Holy shit. She took it to the cops. The cops saw it noted, you know, obviously they went over the gun. They found that there was a half-ass attempt to rub off the gun's serial numbers. 
However, when they uncovered what the numbers were, the gun was traced back to Paul, Mary's used-to-be brother-in-law, Ron's sister's now ex-husband. In between the time when Ron died and this point in 1983, Paul and Karen had gotten a divorce and Paul had maintained custody of the kids and ownership of the house. Mary, or not Mary, Karen was now living in a trailer home on Mary's property. And the pistol was traced back to Paul. At that point, the sheriff said, all right, we're done. Paul did it. He had Paul come into the office. He had Paul come into the station and he made Paul write the letter over and over and do a handwriting test to see if his handwriting would match up with the writing on the letters. The sheriff would dictate what to tell him to write. And then he said it was a close enough match and use the handwriting. A close enough match and use the handwriting samples and Paul's gun as evidence to charge him with attempted murder. Paul was found guilty and he received a sentence of seven to 25 years in prison. However, there is compelling evidence to suggest that Paul is innocent. Sheriff Radcliffe, who's the sheriff who's accused him, he told the press that Paul confessed to writing 50 to uh, 40 to 50 of the letters. However, Paul has denied this and said that if he actually made such a confession, why didn't the sheriff record that confession? So that's yeah. we've got a he said, he said situation. Paul's fingerprints were not found on the letters or the gun or the booby trap. And a search of Paul's house failed to turn up any more corroborating evidence, such as ammunition for the gun or material, which could have been used to construct the signs and the booby trap. Yeah. Paul also had of a solid alibi the day that the booby trap was found. Yeah. Mary also testified that shortly after the divorce of Paul and Karen, that Karen confided in her that she believed that Paul might have been the author of the letter she had received the years earlier. Paul's rebuttal to Karen saying that was, if Karen really believed that I had done this, why did she never mention it in divorce court? Right. I'm like, because fucking Karen did it. While Paul was in prison, the letter started up again. Threatening letters signed by the Circleville writer started being mailed to people all over central Ohio. The letters were postmarked from Columbus once again with no return address. However, Paul was being incarcerated at a prison in Lima, which was about 90 miles away from Columbus. Yeah, that's fucking right he was. The sheriff still was somehow convinced that Paul was still the one sending the letters from prison. And in response, they placed Paul in solitary confinement and denied him access to writing materials. And he was constantly monitored. Oh, man. Letters were still being sent. While Paul was in solitary confinement, he received a letter from the Circleville writer that read, Now when are you going to believe you aren't going to get out of there? I told you two years ago, when we set them up, they stay up. Don't you listen at all. And even though Paul received these letters while he was in solitary and did not have any access to any sort of writing materials, he was still denied parole at his first hearing in December of 1990. 
Oh my God. Paul did not get paroled until 1994. At that point, he had recruited the support of an investigative journalist named Martin Yant. And at this point, the Circleville Letters case wound up being on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, Unsolved Mysteries. Booty Now, Robert Stack. So now while Unsolved Mysteries is working on the show, their office received an anonymous postcard signed by the Circleville writer. It read, forget Circleville, Ohio. Do nothing to hurt Sheriff Ratcliffe. If you come to Ohio, you L sickos will pay. You L sickos? L sickos. A phrase the sheriff was known for saying. <laughs> I don't know. That seems like maybe. So, um, Paul was paroled in 94. This was posted, or this story was featured on Unsolved Mysteries. They did receive this letter from the writer. However, nothing else came from the writer saying that they're going to pay. The Unsolved Mysteries people obviously did not pay for anything other than their bills from the paycheck they made featuring this story. Right. Um, however, Paul still can, uh, tried to clear his name for the rest of his life. He would write a letter to the FBI asking them to investigate Ron's death. He refused to take the fall for Ron's death. However, nothing came of it, and Paul passed away in 2012. Poor guy. Never knowing who murdered Ron and who potentially framed him uh, in the turnaround. There are many many theories as to who the writer is and depending upon who you talk to um some people say that there were letters received up until 2001 but some people say that the letters stopped in um 99 with the letters that were sent to unsolved mysteries A few theories as to what happened. A lot of people think that it wasn't just one writer. Yeah. A lot of people think there were multiple writers because Mary wasn't the only one in the town to receive letters. However, she ended up being obviously the focus and the brunt. Yeah. A lot of people think that the sheriff had something to do with it. And Paul made up this entire website theory, a whole bunch of information compiled, saying that the sheriff ultimately hid a lot of the letters that were sent trying to cover up a child um, child sex ring. Oh, uh, it's always a child sex ring. I know, always. Um, and then other people believe that part of it was one person and then... After the original letters from 1977 were written. Oh, here we go. Hold on. Let me phrase that again. Um, One reigning theory that does seem to be the most plausible, however, is that the original series of letters in 1977 were written by a man named David Longberry. He was a fellow school bus driver who worked alongside Mary Gillespie and was angry when she rebuffed his romantic advances. In 1999, Longberry became a wanted fugitive after raping an 11-year-old girl and committed suicide while on the run. It's possible that the Circleville Letters saga was two different stories which were linked together when Karen, 
Paul's ex-wife used the original series of letters as inspiration to concoct a plot to frame her ex-husband years later. So they think that the first round of letters was sent by Longberry, who was mad at Mary um, for rejecting him and sleeping around with the superintendent. So he started those letters and then potentially killed Ron and then fled. And Karen saw this as an opportunity to then get back at her ex-husband and frame him for it. So she started writing letters. One weird fact that I, the many times that I've looked over this case, because as of today, Ron Gillespie is marked as um, as an unknown, unsolved murder now, since they don't know, you know, since Ron was paroled. And no one to this day really knows who the Circleville writer was. The number one thing that stood out to me in this story, every time I read it, everywhere I read it, was the moment when they're like, Ron died. We don't know who murdered him. Not long after that, Mary and the superintendent started together, started getting together, though both of them vehemently denied that that relationship started until after Ron's death and after they got the letters. Right. Who believes that? It's crazy. There's so much there. Who believes this needs that? It's its own Tiger King style documentary. Because honestly, it really so does. So many little mysteries, like in the in between. I know, and I didn't even do. I feel like I didn't even do it justice with the research that I did because there are a whole bunch of other avenues I could have gone down. Another one of which, just to you know, send people down a rabbit hole. Mary was out of town when her husband received the phone call and then died. She was in Florida on a girl's trip. So she says they also received intel that the superintendent potentially went down and met up with her while she was in Florida. So there's a chance Mm. that he went down, he met up with her in Florida. He placed that phone call that made Ron angry. Like who knows? And why was there so much alcohol in Ron's system? There's really a lot of questions and I don't think any of us will get any answers. answers I think yeah. what we've figured out is as far as this case is ever going to go. Dang. That's so crazy. That's the unsolved mystery of the Circleville writer. And they never found out who they were. Damn. Right? Isn't that story cool? I stumbled upon that and I was like, oh, like you said, this could be its own like four to seven part Netflix special. Right, this is the, you know, don't fuck with cats. Woof. Like, you know, yeah. Which I'm not watching that. But, you know, it's like that, where it's going to be it's gonna be internet sleuths, and, like, this is the crime that they solve. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope so. It was great. All so, right. That's my story. That's wacky. All right. right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, episode 101, come through. Come through, y'all. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast, everybody. If you want to support the show, of course, the best way that you can do that is by subscribing to our Patreon, which you can look us up on Patreon, or you can go to our new website, deadtimestories.com. And there is a link to our Patreon from there. But we have $1, $5, and $10 tiers. $15. Why did I say $15, 10 $15, no. Five <laughs> and $15 tiers. So you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. And that will give you access to the FaceTime. I can't talk. That's to okay. our 
our dead time stories uh patreon exclusive facebook group so we've had people try and join it and we're like i'm sorry you don't i'm get so sorry patreon. you have to pay us it's a dollar for patreon subscribers and it's only a dollar a month so um we hang out in there and we've got colleen and christina and mary angela and my sister and uh, everyone, Caitlin, everybody that you've heard on our show, most mostly not not mostly. everybody, because Teresa doesn't donate to us, and uh, <laughs> Teresa doesn't listen to the show. She sure doesn't. So you can uh, interact with everybody there. It's a lot of memes and talking about stuff that we've heard on the show and new evidence and all sorts of crazy, exciting things. And it's only a dollar a month. We also, um, we're getting it, excuse me, getting it sorted out on the website, but we also have a little bit of merch. Now. Oh, it should be sorted by now, hopefully. Knock on wood. Yeah, but by the yeah. time that y'all hear this, uh, we have merch. Will be sorted. We have some merch. However, we have limited quantities of merch right now. So get on it while it's here. While it's there to get got. And but then yes, the merch exists. We'll order more. <laughs> Uh, the everything is really exciting. The tote bag is oh, the coolest, I love the tote bag. Opinion. I love um, the tote bag. It has artwork on both sides. I did the artwork on one side, and Christina did the artwork on the other. So it has uh, my Dead Time Stories artwork, and then it has Christina's Y'all Ready to Talk About Some Ghosts on the other side. Super exciting. Got That's em. available on our website, deadtimestories.com. You can email us at deadtimestories at gmail.com. Sarah loves your emails, so please send them, and we will talk about it on the air because that's what we do. Yes. But if you, of course, don't have money, you can support us still by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes and by telling all your friends to give us a five-star rating on iTunes, and that's how you keep the show going. Yes. Thank That's you guys it. so much for tuning in during this Thank Corona time. You. Let us know what you need in your in your times of Corona. Corona, she yes. better don't. Oh, Corona, she better did. Oh. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And, and this, this has been, been Dead, Dead Time, time Stories. Stories. Thank you for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curnison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Remy Slackman. 